Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Good morning and welcome along to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And for the benefit of any Liverpool fans listening to the show today, yes, you can scrape yourselves down off the ceiling because last night was not a dream. 3-2 winners on the night at Villarreal and 5-2 on aggregate means the Reds are heading for a third Champions League final in five seasons. A breathless night on the Spanish East Coast for Jurgen Klopp, but the quadruple dream is still alive and it is the Reds who march on Paris. Reaction from the Estadio de la Ceramica all to come in part one of today's podcast and it was a cracker. But in part two, we will be switching our attention to Madrid. Manchester City have got the advantage going into tonight's semi-final showdown with Real Madrid. But the big question is, can Pep clinch a second European final as City boss and set up the final that every Premier League fan wants? Pep versus Klopp, Liverpool versus City in Paris on May 28th. And then from the heights of the Champions League, we're going to wrap up with a return to the day job. Christian Eriksen's future at Brentford is on the table and Bournemouth are back in the big time. The Cherries have secured automatic promotion back into the Premier League. So plenty to get stuck into on a busy Wednesday show. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me on Wednesday, not Tuesday, Wednesday duty, we have Marley Anderson. Can Madrid match up to Castellon tonight, do you think? Good morning. Um, yes, I sounded, sounded a bit like uh, Unai Emery there, didn't I? Good evening. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was a hell of a game last night, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I think the the right team won in the end, and we're we're halfway there to the uh, to the game everybody wants to see, with the possible exception of the nervous two sets of supporters that it's going to uh, going to include. So bring it on! I'm all here for it. Uh, someone who's claiming that they're not. Uh, nervous about tonight, not at all. That they're more concerned about the mighty Magpies this weekend is Man City fan Matt Pidd. You're not interested in Madrid. It's all about Newcastle for you. 
good morning. Um, it's not that I'm not interested. It's just that I just feel that we're in control of the tie tonight and I think we'll get the job done. And I just think that Newcastle on Sunday is another potential banana skin, even though we've got home advantage. Newcastle have just got some uh, some players and some characters that can that can really hurt you. So yeah, that's why uh, that's why I've got a little bit of a uh, bit of butterflies about Sunday more than tonight. Okay, fair enough. We're going to switch to City in part two of the show. Obviously, the big one in Madrid tonight uh, takes precedent for Matt and for the blue half of Manchester. But, Marley, we have to talk about Liverpool uh, from last night. 3-2 on the night, as you mentioned in the intro, intro even. 5-2 on aggregate to put them into a third final under Jurgen Klopp in just five in just five seasons and it was a mad mad night and to steal the oldest cliche in the book it was a game of two halves 2-0 at the break for Unai Emery and Villarreal and Liverpool just steamrolled them in the second half they were absolutely brilliant and those first half wobbles and the kind of poor performance and lack of cohesion they couldn't pass the ball to each other there was no intensity that'll all be papered over because the second half was so brilliant Fabinho Luis Diaz and Sadio Mane with the goals on the night Liverpool are through to the final the quadruple is still on but this was some reaction it was yeah and I think it just um it, it proved how, how scary good Liverpool are you know they they were they were poor in the first 45 minutes and and that is kind of a problem but when you take into account like the first leg like Villarreal didn't even barely had a shot on target in the whole game you know uh, it was total dominance from start to finish in the first leg and then when they wanted it when they wanted to in the second leg they, they turned it on and scored three goals in 45 minutes and I mean in reality they only needed one didn't they so it was um it was a, a real sort of flex of the biceps type of thing with with Liverpool because they didn't they didn't really need to to go out and win that game but it was just like a well hang on a minute we're not having this it's um, let's let's put these guys in their place because we're we're the better team here um, and we only really need forty five minutes to score three goals as they as they proved uh, last night so I thought they were they were brilliant in the second half they were uncharacteristically poor at, uh, in the first 45 which I, I was hoping they'd be last week when Newcastle played them but no such luck um, and it was one of them where you, you look at them and you go Christ who's going to who's going to stop them and, uh, and and beat them in a one-off match because it's a, it's a hell of a task but you know, as as we've seen in the league and the cups this season, it's it, if anyone's going to do it, it's it's Man City. So uh, we're, we're halfway there now to seeing the the game, which is the, the you know the the pinnacle of club football. And for once, or rarely, we are definitely um, sort of promised the two best teams in Europe competing in the final because you don't always get that in a cup cup competition. Um, but I think this this year we will if Man City win tonight. Looking ahead to the final, obviously Man City, Real Madrid battling to join Liverpool in Paris on May 28th. But we're not going to skip ahead and jump the gun and say that City have qualified or Real Madrid have qualified. But when Liverpool are in this form in Europe, Matt, when they are launching these comebacks, and, and Liverpool, I know as a City fan, you're not going to like it, but when it comes to big European comebacks, nobody really does it like Liverpool, whether it's at Anfield, whether it's away from home, they do seem to just be able to turn the tide, flip the script and just just do it. Just do it when it really matters in big, big European games. And we go back to when they won it in 2019 and they beat Spurs in the final. That was on the back of that huge semi against Barcelona. Do you think this is all building towards something? City are going to go all the way with them, provided they get past Real Madrid tonight. They're already going toe-for-toe with them in the Premier League. Are City 
the only team that can stop Liverpool. Villarreal were really organised in the first half. They absolutely nailed it in terms of the way that they set up, but they just couldn't live with Liverpool. And you get the sense that Real Madrid, for all of their experience, might not be able to either. Is it City or the quadruple? Is that it? Is is City beating them in the final and probably possibly edging them out in the Premier League the only way to stop Liverpool? The thing with Liverpool is in the in the European competitions, like we've seen historically, like we've seen it in Istanbul, we've seen it the comeback against Olympiacos, and you know, like we're talking about the Barcelona comeback. Liverpool and the Champions League just have this mad love affair, and they just go hand in hand with each other. And you know, last night I was that sort of like disinterested in it because I thought that you know it was just going to be an absolute walkover for Liverpool. I actually ended up watching um, Bournemouth v Nottingham Forest because I thought that was going to be a bit more of an exciting game, but. Obviously, half-time, I look at the score and I'm thinking, should I switch it over? But then I thought, no, do you know what? I know what's going to happen second half. This is just how inevitable Liverpool have been this season. You can just see what they're going to do. And they only needed 12 minutes to do so. They brought in Luis Diaz, who's been an absolutely fantastic signing for them in January. You know, he's been an absolute steal at 40-odd million. And he's come on and, you know, he's helped change the game around. It's like I said, only 12 minutes. And... Obviously, yeah, the Villarreal keeper, you know, has some things to answer for with those. Um, I don't know if he'd been on the vodka at half time or what, but you know, these are the kinds of things that you need to go your way to to get into positions like the way Liverpool are now. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, the first manager in English history to get Liverpool to the League Cup final, the FA Cup final, and the Champions League final. So that's a hell of achievement for them and congratulations to them for that. But they've only won one of those trophies so far and they've got a massive game against Chelsea in the FA Cup final. The second in the league, a point behind us, you know, going for the Premier League and they're in the final of the Champions League. And whoever gets through tonight between us or Real Madrid is going to give them a hell of a game in the final anyway. Hopefully, obviously, it's us that go through. And like you were saying, I think that we are probably the only team at the moment that can probably stop Liverpool because the games that we've played against them this season in the Premier League, I think we've been the better side. And when we have a full-strength team and they have a full-strength team and both are at the best, I think we just slightly edge it. And that's just that's just my opinion. Obviously, other people say different to me, but yeah, I think that if we're at our best, we can we can beat them. And sometimes we can beat ourselves, sitter, when we're not taking the chances we should be getting. Like tonight, we should be two or three goals up from the the first leg, but we didn't take our chances. And when you're playing against teams like Real Madrid, who have strikers who are so in form, like Karim Benzema. You know, you, you're gonna you're gonna make things difficult for yourself if you don't put those chances away. So tonight we've got the edge over them. We're in control of the tie, and obviously we've we've got you know um, players coming back from suspension and injury, etc. And I'll touch on that when we talk about um, the Madrid City game in the next part. But yeah, um, it's gonna be an interesting final. Whoever gets through and whoever whoever wins the uh, the Champions League is gonna thoroughly deserve it. Absolutely. Luis Diaz obviously made a big impact off the bench for the second half Marlian and he's become a huge player for Liverpool since coming in in January. It's difficult to think of a player that's arrived at a club in January other than maybe Virgil van Dijk when he went to Anfield from, from Southampton that's made such a, a telling impact. But aside from the tactics and the performances of the players on the pitch, on the night, arguably the mentality of Liverpool was what won the day. And one of the interesting things that caught my eye after the game, and I'm pretty sure you can sympathise with this, I know I definitely can, and it's about one of Klopp's coaches, Peter Kravovic, who's their video analysis um, coach. Apparently Klopp said he turned to him during the first half and said, listen, the boys are going to be down at half-time. I need you to find a video clip of something they've done well. Now, based on the fact that they had their lowest pass success rate this season in the Champions League in the first half, lowest XG 
for nearly two years. Kravovich turned round to him and said, boss, I can't find a single positive piece of video to show. Now, you and I spend a lot of our working life cutting up audio and cutting up video. And we've been in that situation where the boss has been demanding something and you're like, I've got nothing. So Klopp basically just had to get in there. He didn't have any video really to show them, but he had to turn the tide. Is that what won the game? And is that ultimately what will either win Liverpool these trophies or decide whether they don't win them? The mentality. We know this talent that they've got and this squad depth that they've got. But last night was a test of mentality rather than maybe technical ability. Yeah, I, th- I think um, one thing Liverpool have, have always had, to be fair, is is that mentality. Uh, I don't think that can ever be questioned, really. Um, it's, I think it's just in the DNA of the club. You know, they've they've won six European titles. They won one. You know, in two thousand and five, which was probably the the greatest comeback of of any, really. Um, well, arguably nineteen ninety nine with Man United, but that's a debate for another day. You know, they they came from two 0 down against one of the greatest uh, club sides in in of their time uh, to beat AC Milan. So, if they ever needed a, a video analyst to to pick out a bit of a bit of video footage, I'd binned off what they've done this season and say, look, you know. We've this this club has done this in the past. This is nothing compared to that. You need one goal against Villarreal in a semi final. You know these the the lads in two thousand five needed three goals against AC Milan who had you know Nesta and Maldini in the in the side and Dida and Kaka and Shevchenko and all these all these amazing players. Um, so it's it's one thing Liverpool have never lacked. Um, and I think I, I think I said to my mate last night when I was. Uh, driving home, listening to the listening to the game, it was. I wonder what Klopp said at half time because it it seemed like they just needed to rocket up them. Um, you know, and Klopp has has that temper. You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him and and uh, and let him down um, in the first forty five minutes, and that's what happened. So I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the walls were shaking with uh, with Klopp's booming voice, like hammering everybody, and just geeing them up for the second half because. That's that's how they came out and played, and you know, they, 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 as I said before, you know, they flexed their muscles with twelve minutes, three goals in twelve minutes, and you know, th- that was it. That was all she wrote, and that was simple as that. But Diaz coming on is is something they they didn't have before. They had Mane, Salah, and Firmino, and then if you look to the bench, it was, you know, is is the walking meme Divock Origi gonna gonna pop up with a with a crazy goal or something like that? And you, no, it wasn't Everton. Exactly. It wasn't Everton, so there was no exactly, chance of that. Exactly, yeah. It's um, it's it's one of them where you, even though Rigi's got big goals in big games, it, it he's kind of got his um, got his sort of uh, character from scoring when you don't really expect him to. Like you don't expect Divock and Rigi to to score twice against Barcelona in the uh, Anfield a, 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 a few well, years did. ago, and he did, yeah. So and he scored in the final as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then he's got his record against Everton and, and cup finals and all the rest of it. But comparing, like bringing him off the bench compared to someone like Luis Diaz is is another another level, you know. Now they've got uh, you know five strikers at the club or five attackers, you should say. Um, that are all capable of, of tearing you apart on the day, and uh, that's that's what happened. You know, forty five minutes is all all they needed, and uh, that's it. That's all she wrote. Yeah, job done. Liverpool through to the final in Paris. Uh, a strange one for the sports social. We're going to give you some travel advice because I've just been googling this, Marley, while you were talking. Before we take a break, 
According to Twitter, Liverpool fans are going to do anything to get to Paris. Hot air balloons, walk there, run there, jet skis across the channel, whatever it takes. But as it stands, don't be fooled by the Google ads that say flights start at £5 because they don't. The cheapest flight to go to the final from Liverpool is £291. But, Matt, don't count your chickens just I'd yet because that. if City get there, <laughs> sure. the... the the cheapest flight from Manchester to Paris to make it in time for the final is £335. Big, big money uh, if you're looking to go for Paris. Liverpool are already set. Man City, the passports are halfway out the draw for Paris. Will they be joining Liverpool? Well, that's all to come in part two. We're previewing a big, big night in Madrid. City against Real Madrid. Pep Guardiola against Carlo Ancelotti. Who will get through? We're going to get to it in just a sec. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. Liverpool through to the Champions League final in Paris later this month. Who will be joining them? That's the big Wednesday question. Real Madrid at home to Manchester City tonight in the Spanish capital. Man City do have the advantage from the first leg. 4-3 win at the Etihad. But based on last night's ridiculous, dramatic action in Spain tonight could be possibly a very similar story. Matt, obviously, we're going to go to you on this because it's... It's massive for Manchester City. We find ourselves in this situation again where can City do it? Can Guardiola do it? Is this the year where they win the Champions League? Is this the year where it ends? This this long run of can City convert all this investment, all this Premier League dominance into a European trophy? Um, so before we get into some of the, the pre-game comments and, and Kevin De Bruyne has done a really interesting press conference yesterday. I just want to ask about the team. Yao Cancelo is back. He was suspended for the first game. Kyle Walker is back in training and it looks like he will be fit to play tonight. John Stones is probably going to miss out. Do you see Walker and Cancelo coming back in? And do you think that's going to be the backbone of the team? Do you think there could be maybe a bit of a wild card in the, in the starting eleven? 
Um, I expect Guardiola to pick his, his strongest available 11. Um, obviously, in the first leg, we missed Cancelo and Walker massively, and especially for the Vinicius Jr. goal where you got 36-year-old Fernandinho. He's actually, he's actually 37 today, Fernandinho, so happy birthday, Fernandinho, if you're listening. Happy um, birthday. Yeah, um, and Vinicius Jr. absolutely ripped him to shreds with his pace. Um, with Kyle Walker on the pitch, he isn't going to be able to do that because we all know Kyle Walker's probably the best recovering sort of right defensive right-back in the world right now in terms of his pace I don't think they'll be able to do that to him Cancelo brings in his his, um, his technique at left back and he's, he's also you know he's, he's proven this season to be an absolutely fantastic you know sort of linchpin in City's defence though his work rate his, his skill going forward he's an absolutely fantastic player and he has been for the last 18 months or so for us now and to have him back in the side is another massive boost we got to rest uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez against Leeds over the weekend and uh, Bernardo Silva only played 10 minutes which is massive as well uh, Phil Foden's fine he's only like 21 years old he can play you know two games in the space of a couple of days he'll be fine yeah I expect Pep Guardiola to not overthink tonight as um, contrary to popular belief with him in this competition in these kinds of stages of uh, of the competition itself um, I expect him to pick his best available 11 and I expect us to get the job done tonight this conversation about Man City and their record in the Champions League particularly under Pep Guardiola comes around every season Marley that's why I mentioned it to Matt before and Kevin De Bruyne clearly had it on his mind in his press conference yesterday because he said that winning the Champions League would change the narrative around City from the outside he said that despite their Premier League success there is still a perception issue over City now I think a lot of fans would probably follow and agree that line of that line of argument from Kevin De Bruyne that Manchester City have been an incredible domestic force particularly under Pep Guardiola but is this just a, a skewed way of looking things that until they get a Champions League, until they get that major European title, they won't be discussed maybe with the same respect that other massive European teams are? But then when you look at some of the teams that have randomly won the Champions League over the last 10, 20, maybe even 30 years, it's unfair because they're miles down the pecking order in comparison to where Manchester City are. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I get your point. It's it's one of them where I think there's one stick left to beat Man City with, and it's that they've not won the uh, they've not won the Champions League, um, and that is what haters will will hide behind and say, "Well, we've not won this," and you know, AC Milan have won this amount of titles, and Real Madrid have won thirteen titles, and Liverpool have won six titles. But to me, that doesn't really suggest that those clubs are are any sort of better than the Man City are now. I think realistically Man City and Liverpool are, are streets ahead of anyone else in the world. And when you put them next to each other, one versus one, you know, 11 on 11 in a, in a one-off game where they both play the stronger team, I think City are, are, are better. I think they're probably one or two goals better every time they meet. But it's it's the nature of cup competitions it doesn't always go like that you know see Chelsea beating Man City in the Champions League last year in the final uh, were Chelsea the best team in Europe last season well technically yes but you know I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put them ahead of Man City in terms of uh, of how they're playing and stuff like that so it's always going to be one of those things until it happens people are going to be like yeah well Man City have never won a, won a Champions League and realistically like History and 
football and history is is a is a strange thing really because you know people like to talk about history and and certain things age well and other things age badly in football but there's a lot of like rose tinted spectacles with oh we've won this and you still get Nottingham Forest fans saying yeah we won the European Cup in 1979 and 1980 and realistically it's 42 years ago and you weren't like the people who were making this argument were like 10 years old when it happened so at what point do you say like you can still be one of the best teams in the world or the best team in the world without winning the without winning the Champions League. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it is the crowning thing that will make, make you stand out in history because if you go 50 years ahead now in Man City, you haven't won the Champions League, hypothetically. You know, I will remember how good this Man City team is and this, this period under Pep where they won you know, four out of five Premier League titles and, and FA Cups and League Cups and what have you. But the history books, when I'm telling like my son or my mates uh, in 50 years' time, do you remember how good that City, City team was? They can they could easily just turn around and say, well, they didn't win the Champions League. And that is what that is what they need to do. That's why it's so important for Man City um, at this point, before Pep leaves, uh, if, if, he do, if he does leave, if he doesn't fancy staying, before he leaves, he needs that, that jewel in his crown, which is, uh, which is the, the Champions League, and they won't have a better time to do it. Well, to be fair, they didn't have a better better time to do it last season. Um, but there's, there's season, probably no better yeah. way to do it than this season, <laughs> if we beat Real Madrid tonight, and then get Liverpool, who are clearly the other best team in the world, and then beat them in the final in Paris. That would be the perfect way to to silence all the doubters and say, well, you know, stick two fingers up to you because we won it and we won it by beating the the second, the other best team in the world, and we'd only by beating the thirteen times champions in the semis, um, and and all the rest of it, and no one can really ever take that away from them. Then, um, somebody that definitely is too young to remember Nottingham Forest winning the European Cup in nineteen eighty, Matt is is Phil Foden, and Carlo Ancelotti was asked about him in his press conference and the danger that he presents to Real Madrid tonight and Foden has just gone up another level and another level and another level this season because his record in the knockout games when Man City have needed him has been fantastic goal against Sporting away from home in the last 16 that crucial assist for Kevin De Bruyne against Atletico Madrid to edge them through into the semis and then a goal last time round against Madrid in the home leg at the Etihad is he now an absolute essential starter I know from a City perspective that might sound like a bit of a a daft question but because City have got so many incredibly talented players they can change their front line around they can mix it up they can play with a different system they can play with different personnel Gabriel Jesus has come back into the team and he's banging form in terms of scoring goals you've still got Sterling Mares, Grealish etc but is Foden arguably ahead of all of them now when it comes to Pep starting eleven? You know, it's it's crazy, isn't it, when uh, Neil Custis said uh, that he was just uh, signing a six-year contract to sit on the bench for the next six years. Yeah, that uh, that that really aged well, didn't it? Well, they're well played there, Neil. Um, look at him now; he's been managed absolutely perfectly by Pep Guardiola. You've, you've had all these these pundits and so-called experts saying he needs to go on loan, he needs to go to the Championship, he needs to go and play football. But what people was tending to forget was even though he wasn't really starting when Pep Guardiola first came in, he wasn't really in the first team loop. He was playing League Cup games, FA Cup games, etc. He was training with the likes of David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero, you know, and learning off these players in these training sessions. And he's took that to his game now and you can see it all, all unfolding before your eyes. He's 21 years old and he's one of the best young players in the world right now. And he's got, got managers like Carlo Ancelotti bigging him up, you know, 
even in his wildest dreams, I don't think he would have thought that it would have been at this stage in his career, having things like that, winning the trophies that he's won so far. And for me, he is, he is one of our starting 11 now. He has to be. He has to be in that front three for me every single time because of the quality that he possesses. He's dribbling. He, 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 he takes shots from, from pretty much anywhere because he knows that he's got that ability to score goals. He did it against Dortmund in the Champions League last season, twice. You know, absolutely ripped them to shreds. And it was a shame that it didn't really come off for him last season in terms of the way the Champions League panned out. But hopefully this season we can go one better. And like Marley was saying before, this season for me, it's the, the true best team in Europe. If we if we play Liverpool in the final, whoever wins that is truly the best team in Europe. Like you were saying about Chelsea last season, you couldn't really say that about them. You couldn't say that it was better than us. It was just a one-off game that they won. And the record books will show that they was the best team in Europe that season. But, you know, from a football perspective, it wasn't the case. But this season, it truly is the Europe, the champions of Europe, the best team in Europe. So hopefully, Phil Foden and the lads can carry us through tonight against Real Madrid. Like I said, we've got the advantage in the the, the second leg. It's going to be tough going to the Bernabeu. Their fans are going to be bang up for it. But, you know, so are ours. And Pep Guardiola doesn't really need to say much tonight. He doesn't really have to do much of like a, a massive team talk. He, he'll, just let, um, he'll just let the lads go out and do the thing. And if we play anything like we played in the first leg and we take our chances, we'll, we'll be absolutely fine and we'll be meeting the, uh, the Scousers in Paris at the end of May. Before we take a break, let's call this. Marley, give us your prediction for tonight. Uh, I think, uh, judging by the first leg, I think City will, City will, will get the win. Um, even on the night, I don't think they'll sit on sit on any lead or or need to. To be honest, I think they were they were way better than Madrid in the first leg. Um, they just couldn't quite kill them off somehow. <laughs> I don't quite know how how Real Madrid kept it so close. To be fair, but yeah, I think City will win um, comfortably. Really, I think it'd be be two nil or two nil two one. Um, I can see that happening, and uh, and City will set up the final, which we all uh, we all want to see. Okay, looking at the situation going into tonight, it is a big, big night in Madrid. And let's not get distracted from what's important here. The stage is set, the table's out, the cake's there, 37 candles in the cake, it's all lit. It's happy birthday, Fernandinho. How's it going to go down, Matt? Um, nah, I think, um, I, think, I think we'll win on the night. I think it'll, it'll be close. I think Madrid obviously have got to come out swinging. They can't afford to sit back Madrid. They can't afford to sort of let the game pass them by. I think it will be two one Man City. Um, yeah, I think we just have too much for him on, on the night. I think because we've got Kyle Walker and Cancelo coming back, I think that advantage that they had in the first leg sort of disappears with um, the pace on the on the wings. Yeah, I think um, we won't let it go tonight. We'll uh, we'll give Fernandinho the the happy birthday that he deserves. Brilliant stuff. And uh, Man City, if you've learned one thing down the years, is do not forget a veteran midfielder's birthday because it never, ever ends well. Right, we're going to wrap it up for part two of the show. After the break, we're spinning back to the day job and the Premier League. Christian Eriksen, will he, won't he stay at Brentford this uh, next season even? But one team that will definitely be in the Premier League next season is Bournemouth. They've joined Fulham in the automatic promotion spots. We're going to be looking at that and the playoff picture in the Championship, building up to the final weekend of action. 46 games and it all comes down to this. All that to come in just a sec. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. As always here on the Football Social Daily, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know the drill by now. Hit subscribe up the top and you can get access to a brand new show as soon as it is ready. All the way until the end of the season and it's going to be a cracker. We will be here every single day with a daily Premier League podcast. So don't forget to keep on listening. Right, we're going to move to Premier League matters, Marley, and Brentford and Christian Eriksen. If you'd said two years ago that Christian Eriksen, Champions League finalist, Danish international, Premier League star, would be playing for Brentford, you'd have thought I was mad. But that is the case. And, and obviously the situation last summer where he incredibly was was okay after collapsing on the pitch with Denmark at Euro 2020. He came back, he was fully fit, he left into Milan and moved to Brentford in January. And he's been sensational for them he's arguably the reason why they are going to be a Premier League team next season but there's a big decision for him to make this summer he's only on a short-term deal Thomas Frank has come out yeah, this morning and said that he is confident that Ericsson will sign another deal stay for at least another 12 months but is there maybe a position here where Ericsson has to be a bit selfish he's 30 probably three, four seasons left at the top level. He's demonstrated that he's still a Champions League level player. Does he go for broke here? If he's got one more move left in, in particular as a free transfer, does he owe it to himself to go and play Champions League football? Or does he maybe owe Brentford a little bit of a debt and should stay there because of the fact that they brought him in, that when he was released by Inter Milan, they were the ones that went for him and a bigger team in January didn't want to take the punt? Uh, it just depends on his mentality, really, doesn't it? Um, I don't necessarily agree with the whole he owes he owes Brentford anything. No, I don't either. Um, just for the record, sort of thing. Just yeah, just just because. If I mean realistically, if Brentford didn't offer him a contract, someone else would have. It's not as if Brentford were the only team, you know, willing to take a gamble on him. You know, he's always always been a quality player, and he's, he was only twenty nine when he moved there. I think so. It was. It wasn't as if uh, you know there was talks of him being linked with with a move back to Ajax, but halfway through a season is not quite the the time where you want to um, you know bring someone in like Ajax were competing on 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 different levels. They were in the Champions League and what have you, um, and, and focusing on that and trying to win the league title. So they were never going to bring someone in like that. But if you if you go forward to the summer, if if Eriksen had stayed without a club for another six months, they'd have probably brought him in in the summer. So. Um, there's, there was always going to be bigger clubs with respect to Brentford that that would come in for him at some point, um, but it was the the 
the um, the familiarity of Thomas Frank and a, a Danish core of that squad in the Premier League, and it was the perfect storm for for Eriksson to go back in, and uh, he's 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 done really well. He's he's been, I would probably say, he's the reason why Brentford didn't get sucked into that battle too much because at one point in the season they had a hell of a run coming up, and they were only five points ahead of the um, the relegation zone at one point. So. Um, but I think they won. Uh, they beat they beat Chelsea, and then they got a draw with Spurs, and there was a couple of other results as well where they picked up two or three wins in a row. Um, and uh, I think it was I think they beat Norwich and and Watford and the teams around them, and they 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 pulled themselves away from it or any or potentially any sort of trouble that was lingering. So they've been really good, Brentford. They'll be desperate to keep him, of course. But um, in terms of of Ericsson and his future, I think it just depends what's out there because. You know, he he knows as well that this is his last time to move, and he also knows that the last time he picked a uh, he picked his own club as a free agent, it went belly up, and he he left Spurs for for Inter Milan, and it, it didn't really work. And even though he was, you know, the um, the heart attack problem um, sort of came along and ended his his Inter spell, he was in and out of that team very very often. Conte didn't fancy him. Um, so that would probably put Peer to a return to, to Spurs if uh, if that was a a potential move this summer um, on a free. And if you look around the Premier League, I'm not really sure about top clubs that would want him. Um, they, they don't have room for him in the squad. Liverpool, Man City are obviously way away in their own in their own little world. Arsenal probably not because they've got Odegaard and the whole Spurs history thing. Spurs themselves, it's a Conte reunion and he's trying to build his own little team there. Um, then you look at... There is a mid-table club that won in Mali that I've heard, um, a club called Man United, <laughs> um, that have been that have been uh, linked with him. I think it'd be a good move for him if you were What, Man United? Oh, I don't even think that, yeah. I don't even, I don't even think that works, to be honest. Like, Bruno's there, Ten Hag's coming in. I might be taking a Mickey a little bit. I, I'm not sure he fits that at all, but yeah, I, I mean... And knowing uh, knowing what Man United have been, well, judging by their decisions recently, they've probably turned him into the world's worst footballer. The way he's been uh, he's been carrying on, um, but it's it's just one. Of, it just depends on Ericsson what he fancies. I think he's comfortable at Brentford, but does he want to take that one you know one last chance um, again? Because I think when he's moved recently, it might be a little bit of a scar for him where he, he went chasing the top club and he, he got frozen out. He didn't really. Didn't really play much in the first six or eight months, and then came back into it a little bit before he went away with the with the Danes in the uh, in the summer, um, and then obviously his whole life changed. But it was one of those um, things where you might just be thinking in his head like, "Oh, if if I do this again, it has to work," and that might push him to stay at Brentford for another year or two. Uh, Christian Eriksen may or may not be playing Premier League football next season, Matt, but one team that definitely will be is Bournemouth. They've clinched an automatic return to the Premier League, beating Nottingham Forest 1-0 last night. That puts paid to Forest's chances of going up automatically. It's going to be Fulham and Bournemouth that are definitely up and Forest drop down into, into the playoff picture. So I just want to ask you quickly about Bournemouth. Have they learnt their lessons? The, the two big stories from Fulham coming up and Bournemouth coming up is the ridiculous amount of goals that they've scored in the Championship this season. Fulham have scored, a, I can't believe I'm reading this, 106 goals in 45 games and Bournemouth have scored 73 goals in 45 games. Now, a fair chunk of those has come from two individuals. Alexander Mitrovic has broken the Championship season goal-scoring record, 43 in 43, which is, is bonkers. But, 
Bournemouth have got their own ridiculous hot shot, but looks crap in comparison to Mitrovic and Dominic Solanke. He's got 29 in 45. Now, I've been looking at some of the numbers behind Mitrovic and this perception that he was rubbish in the Premier League is, is maybe a little bit unfair. He's played three full Premier League seasons, Newcastle and Fulham. He's broken double figures in two of those. One of them, he was relegated with Fulham. So he's not an absolute championship donkey. But you get the sense with Solanke that the Premier League is going to be too hard for him and that this is going to be a big, big ask for Bournemouth next season. Um, yeah, firstly, congratulations to Scott Parker and Bournemouth on being back in the Premier League next season, yeah, after a couple of seasons. Um, in terms of a striker coming up from the Championship to the Premier League, we've seen it with the likes of Timu Puki at Norwich. He's done fantastically in the Championship for Norwich, and then when he's come up to the Premier League, he's sort of struggled to meet them heights. And it is a big jump up in quality when you when you think about it. You're coming up against much better defences, much better teams, the way they set up. So if Mitrovic can get double figures again next season, then that will be a big achievement for him. Obviously, to score 43 goals in the Championship season is an absolute. You know, it's it's absolutely crazy and for Solanke to get 29 even that is not to be sniffed at but it's just that Mitrovic has scored so many that it it makes it look far less impressive but it'll all depend on how these teams invest now going up they've got um, two relatively experienced they've both had experience in the Premier League Scott Parker and uh, and Marco Silva I went to the um, the FA Cup game we played against Fulham at the uh, start of January and they impressed me. The fearless Fulham. You can see that they're uh, they've just they've just got no fear in them whatsoever. They'll, whoever they come up against, I don't think their style of play will change. They will play their game, and hopefully for them, fingers crossed, they invest in the right areas and they improve in the right areas, and they can uh, they can stop being known as a yo-yo club and and survive in the Premier League for a number of seasons. And as for Bournemouth, same as for them, um, investment, invest in the right areas and improve, and that will be the key to survival. And the playoffs are looking, looking quite interesting. Middlesbrough can still sneak in there, so and I hope they don't. Personally, I want um, Luton and the rest to stay in there. And personally, for me, when it comes to the playoffs, I want I want Luton to come up. I just want Kenilworth Road to be a Premier League ground. <laughs> that's that's solely my reason behind that. Marley, I want to get your take on the on the playoff picture as it stands. It all gets wrapped up this weekend. Fulham and Bournemouth, as we mentioned, have gone up automatically. Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield are guaranteed playoff places, but the final two positions could change on the last day. Sheffield United, 72 points. Luton, 72 points. Sheffield United are above them on goal difference as it stands. Middlesbrough, the real danger that could break in. Millwall, potentially, but they'd need a big, big goal swing. So it's, it's going to be two from Sheffield United, Luton and Middlesbrough. Sheffield United have probably got the most difficult game they've got Fulham at home the Blades will be looking at this and thinking hopefully Fulham will take the foot off the gas because they're confirmed as champions but there could be a couple of twists between now and the end of play this weekend there could be yeah um, I think it's it's an interesting one isn't it because you'd probably expect Sheffield United to lose to Fulham it just depends what Fulham turn up if it's party Fulham and they're not really asked about the result or is it um, is it sort of we're going to finish our season in style um, and and finish off by smashing someone because you'd expect Middlesbrough and Luton to win their games against Preston and Reading, who aren't the best. Uh, aren't the best, and they've got nothing to play for. You know, Reading are, are survived, but twenty first in the league, um, and you've got um, Preston who are fourteenth at the minute, so just marooned in in that mid table. So 
you know, there could be a swing with Sheffield United. They need a point, really. They desperately need a point off of Fulham because I I would back Sheffield United with their with their recent experience in the playoffs. I, I think they'd probably fancy their chances of getting up through them. Um, said on yesterday's podcast, out of the out of the those that are in contention, I would like Huddersfield back. Um, just because I went to, simply because I went to uni there, and that is literally it. But other than the rest of them, <laughs> I'm not I'm not really bothered who who comes up. I can't see any of them surviving if I'm honest. Um, if if it's Forest, Huddersfield, Sheffield United, Luton, or Middlesbrough, whoever whoever wins that fight, um, I can't see any of them staying up next season. But that doesn't mean it's uh, it's not strengthening the club massively in in the next five years with the parachute payments if they did go straight back down. So uh, for me, I think Sheffield United will. Will sneak in there somehow, um, and I can see, I can see Middlesbrough overtaking Luton for some reason, just because Luton got battered at the weekend. I think their their confidence might be a bit low, and they might lose um, when when you don't expect them to. Middlesbrough might sneak in there. We might have Chris Wilder back in the Premier League for for another season, which would be decent as well. So it'd be a good one to watch. Yeah, what a wonderfully positive and optimistic picture on Premier League promotion. You've battled for 46 games. You've travelled up and down the country following your team on the highways and byways <laughs> and the A-roads. But, you know, don't get too excited because you're going to get relegated in 12 months. That is possibly the horrible cold, re- 30 games. Horrible <laughs> cold reality, reality of the Premier League. But what a wonderful what a wonderful note. If you're any of those fans going to any of those games this weekend, get excited. But, you know, don't get too excited because... Well, we, we, we know Watford and Norwich are coming back up yeah, next yeah, season anyway. As, uh, as, as plain as day. Right, uh, we're going to call it there for today's edition of the Football Social Daily. Marley, Matt, on a big Wednesday. Matt, could be a big night. Thanks for coming on. Nice one, Fergal. Yep, nice one. I'll uh, I'll see you on, I think I'm back on, on Friday, where I'm obviously discussing the, the Great Man City-Newcastle game at the weekend. <laughs> brilliant stuff yeah the, the action just keeps on coming Premier League Champions League with the Champions League getting wrapped up tonight at the semi-final stage we're then building back up to yep another weekend of Premier League action we're going to be here every day with a daily fresh podcast so hit subscribe I'll be back tomorrow Marley will be on later on in the week we're all here all the way through the week you can't get rid of us but let's face it you wouldn't have it any other way thanks for listening and we'll speak to you very very soon Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.